Hello, I'm Tara Ruckman. And I'm Stephanie Howe, and we are Control the Chaos EDU. Are you burnout? Are you feeling frustrated or overwhelmed? Or maybe it's the opposite, and you're a go-getter and want to level up. Then it's time to dive in with real talk and solution-focused conversations. Hello, and welcome to today's Control the Chaos Conversation. Tara, this is her speaking. I know we reintroduced ourselves the last episode, but just a reminder, um, we are kind of excited about today's topic, um, and it is tips for effective facilitation. You know, we've all been at that one PD that you have a person yawning, you have one that wants to fall asleep, you have one that's typing away on their computer, one that's on their phone, maybe getting up and going back and forth to the restroom, who knows, walking out, taking a phone call, everybody's been there, I know it, don't try to deny it, you know, be honest with yourself, real talk today, we've all had that PD where we've been like, why do I have to go? Um, So we're going to talk about some things for tips for effective facilitation to help solve that problem. So if you are the one facilitating, that you are not that person that is putting people to sleep. Or we take all of this and we bring it back into the classroom. It's not just tips for facilitating PD, but it's tips for facilitating lessons in the classroom. Nobody wants to be the teacher that puts somebody to sleep, right? Nobody wants to be the teacher that you have five kids that are off task because they're unengaged because you're boring. Like who wants to be the boring teacher? Who wants to be the boring facilitator? So we're going to talk about lots of tips. So you're not that person today. I'm sure that I have been that person also. I'm just to like, you know, be straight with you all. That I know that in the very beginning of when I started as a coach, I probably could have put people to sleep. So it's not something out of the norm. Everybody does it. So if you've done it, don't feel bad about it because we all continue to learn and grow. And you may have been a teacher that has done the same So don't feel bad about it because in your beginning years, you're like, I got to do the standard. I got to list the thing on the board. I got to do this. And by the time you get to that, you forget the parts about like being creative and all of the pieces that keep kids engaged because we're checking all the boxes, right? So I think when we take a look look at it, we've all been there um, at some point. So how do we make sure that we're not there again? How do we make sure we're not that person uh, facilitating that has the yawners and the kids go into the bathroom and all of the things that we don't want to see in a PD or in a classroom lesson? So we're going to get started with talking about um, some core skills. What are some core skills that we want to see when we're facilitating a lesson or a PD. 
Yeah, I'm going to share one of my favorite um, presenters that I've ever seen. And it doesn't even matter what topic he is presenting on. I always just go to his sessions. Um, and that's Tony Vincent. Tony Vincent is an amazing presenter. If you ever get the chance and you're not interested in the topic, still go because you will learn so many different strategies and engagement ideas of just the way that he presents. And so the first thing that um, when I kind of think about what does Tony do, you know, what does he kind of do to help with his professional learning to engage folks? And he starts it kind of by a wondering. So in your lessons or uh, if you're creating PD, get your audience, your students, whoever, to start wondering, wondering about the topic. Um, and he, again, Tony does a great job with this. And I feel like sometimes when we're teaching, we leave this piece out because of time. And we can't. Because when we are able to start off the class with an essential question or with a problem or with some type of like, what are we about to learn? You are sparking that curiosity within your audience. So right there, you can start this by either kind of asking questions. Um, another way that I've seen this in classrooms or in PD is using a Wicca Hydra. And what a Wicca Hydra is, is you are able to kind of ask questions, your audience asks questions, and they just keep branching. So if you want to use tech, you could do this on a Jamboard. You could also do this on Post-it Notes. But the first way that you kind of want to do this is by first getting those questions going, generating just some um, curiosity about the topic and building that background knowledge. So if your students or your audience don't have background knowledge, that is a for sure first thing that you're going to want to do. I, can you say that word again? The the Wicca one? The Wicca, <laughs> the Wicca Hydra. <laughs> I really like that word. <laughs> I don't yeah. know why. It just like flows off your tongue, the Wicca Hydra. Like, I don't know. I because I we call my we call my nephew. He's um he's super smart. We call him like the Wikipedia as well. Um so I just like the, I don't know why the Wicca word flows through. I'll, now I'll remember that because I just like the word. See, another engagement strategy is name things. Like when mm -hmm. you name things fun, um, that like increases and entices people like wanting to go to your PD or your lesson. So if you have names for things that are PD, like the name grabs people. So if people have a choice of PD, your name could could actually tell like if you're if you have a bunch of people that are signing up, the name of your PD could actually grab people. So the name of your lesson as well, like name your lessons or your activities. That's another way to kind of get people started and engaged right off the bat because they're like, ooh, what's control the chaos or Woo, like they get they kind of get excited before they even get there just by the name of it. So that's one way to like start your facilitation before you even have made it to that point. And that is encouraging that engagement right off the bat because they're wondering and they, they're coming with questions like, what are we going to learn? What are we going to do? Because this sounds fun. Kind of we did that Netflix PD that we did. And that's like name and engagement had people like wondering what it was right off the bat and how are we going to tie it together? 
So that goes into then like framing the environment, making people belong, right? So we went to Teach Better. And one of the wonderful things they had at Teach Better is they had some hearts hung around for people to make comments. They had places throughout. They had this one window with markers that were there that people could draw on the window with these expo markers for feedback, positive feedback for the events. So it really felt like this family environment. Um, they really made people feel like they belong. It, it gave them that sense of belonging. And when you have that sense of belonging, that's huge piece for facilitation. And that's in the classroom, that is in PD, but when people feel comfortable in that environment, that is number one. So finding ways to make people feel like they're belonging when they walk in the room, you know, is that greeting them at the door? Is that striking up some conversation with somebody you don't know or a student that normally is not very talkative, but you're engaging them somehow, asking them how their weekend was, how their day is going. Um, my mom is really good at this. She engages every grocery uh, person at the checkout in conversation. Oh, how's your day going? A busy day? You know, that makes people feel welcome and opens them up when you start engaging them in that conversation. So that's one way to make them feel like they belong. And then providing purpose, objectives, and agenda. People like to know where they're going and what they're doing. I think, Stephanie, you gave a perfect example about like even providing directions. You know, if you're coming from a place like where to park, um, where are your seats going to be? Can, you know, so when they walk in the room, they know what's expected. That also goes into like framing that environment. But having that purpose and objectives um, so that and, and maybe you could add a goal to it. It doesn't you don't have to add a goal, but at least the purpose and objectives and it, some type of agenda so people know um, where they're going and and exactly what they need to bring so they feel prepared. Imagine if you have a, a PD or you start a lesson and you need students to bring a Chromebook and teachers to bring a computer, but yet you didn't let them know in advance. Now what happens? You have students getting up, going to their backpack to get their Chromebook. You have teachers that are on their phones because they don't have their computer. So, you know, just giving them that heads up so that they feel prepared. Um, also, that then also reduces some of that off-task piece of the PD or the lesson that you're that you're working on. So I think that's really important. And this is all work that we would do prior to the facilitation of either the lesson or the PD to get that environment framed before we even go in. So we've done all of that prep work prior to going into the PD. Yeah, it really is important to put up signs, especially if you don't know where you're going and provide the address, like don't just say the location, um, really put in the extra effort where you 
are emailing before if it's a workshop, just so people feel comfortable coming. Because I know for me, and if we think about our students, um, when they're coming into school and you don't know something or you're really worried about something, you won't be able to learn, right? Because you're so focused on, oh my gosh, I'm going to be late or I don't know where I'm going. And you're like focused on all of those other things. And that's taking up cognitive space in your mind. And so how can we kind of let some of those go where we can create that environment that it is okay to fail and it is okay um, to ask questions or, hey, provide that clarity ahead of time for your um, students or for your attendees. And so that brings us to kind of some next steps um, or like kind of four things that you want to include when you are having a session or within your learning. Um, so you want to make sure you are asking those questions. Provide time for open-ended and closed type of questions, but really those open-ended and provide time. I like to use a timer where I can get a table to collaborate together and present them with some type of questions where they might use some brainstorming uh, to think about different things. And same with your students. Provide that timer. Hey, we're going to talk for two minutes and then we're going to come back together and we're going to share. And so once students know that expectation and have that timer in place, it can help them kind of stay focused on that conversation. Another thing is paraphrasing. So when you are going over information, paraphrasing it. Also, stories can help. Um, so if you have a story or like a research study, I don't know why, but I've been so into like psychology right now and their stories of just different research things that they've done, like with the kids with the marshmallow and how now those kids growing up, you know, are able to have more motivation. But telling it through that story can really help grab and make that concrete example for your listeners. Another thing is summarizing. So after you maybe go over something, you re-summarize it at the very end. Um, also, when you're in meetings, if you are in a meeting or you're conferencing with a group of students or with a group of students, you can quickly kind of recap and then summarize and maybe talk about next steps. Like your next step is this, this, and this. My next step is this. But leaving the meeting where that is very clear whose next step is to make improvements or what they're to do with that information that they're presented on can just kind of help um, understand. And then that encouraging piece. So encouraging them throughout. Some of this new learning is very difficult for people to get outside of their comfort zone or to stop doing some type of strategy or to stop doing some type of failure. And so we need to encourage not only our students, but also those adult learners. And so how can we encourage them? Sometimes this is outside of the PD day where we might send a follow-up email with them just saying, hey, we worked on this. Do you need any support? Can I come in and model it for you? Or can I come in and co-lead? Or do you want me to watch and give you some feedback? Um, or hey, do you need help creating this template? But really that follow-up piece or encouraging them along the way to get up and try something new um, and to fail forward everybody needs that encouragement. So just thinking of ways of how can I encourage them? And maybe it's a piece of candy midway through the training and you're just like, okay, I see you are feeling down. Here is a piece of candy to uplift you right now and to encourage you. Oh, so many good ones. Yeah. There's so many ways to encourage. I mean, there's, it's, and it could be just, you know, walking around the room and kind of 
patting somebody on the back and, you know, let, acknowledging that they're doing something well is that, you know, and thanking them for listening. But now we're getting into some quick tips. So we're going to kind of run through this, these a little bit quicker. They're not as involved, but knowing everybody's name, you know, that's number one. So when you go to a PD, um, of course, you're going to know everybody's name in your classroom, right? But when you're in a PD, you might not know everybody's name. So try to learn everybody's name that you can, um, making sure that it's personalized. So you're not saying like, hey, the guy in the red shirt, no, um, Jack, you know, Jack has a question, go ahead. Or Jack has something to share, go ahead. You know, trying to learn those names of people. Now, again, we're not going to learn everybody's names in every PD. But if this is a small P PD and it's doable, then do it, right? If you have a, over 100 people and you're there for a half an hour, that's a different that's a different story. But if you have a small group of PD and you're going to be there for an hour or two, it makes sense to try to learn everybody's name. Um, manage engagement. So this is an important one. Realizing that you should probably have a presentation that ebbs and flows, right? We, we don't want to, if we're working with a group for an hour, we don't want to have 30 minutes of something that needs and requires intense listening, right? Maybe we'll have five to 10 minutes of intense listening and then go a little bit on the lighter side and kind of make it look like a roller coaster of up and down between expecting those in and out listening skills. Engage, maybe connect emotionally, get them kind of hooked in and then go down the slope a little bit and then re-engage with some important facts and important points, and then kind of maybe tell a story and go down a little bit. So you find yourself going up and down a hill and could be up and down connecting with emotions. Like I have this emotional piece, I'm connecting to emotions and connecting it to a real life scenario. And then I'm throwing in some different type of learning. So you find that it goes you know, through intention and time, just like a roller coaster, that is really important because expecting somebody to sit and listen to a lecture for an hour or even a half hour is a really long time um, without any disruption and expecting people to have that like intense listening skills during that amount of time. So that's a great quick tip. Um, embracing the silence. It's really hard to be silent, right? It's really hard to have that like awkward moment where there's nothing, but it's not really awkward. Like that's sometimes where we kind of take it all in, where we allow ourselves to kind of just decompress for a second and embrace the silence, right? Kind of you give that moment of like, what's she going to say next? Or, you know, give that moment for people to take it all in where they feel like now we, we have come down the slope or we're going back up the slope into that ebb and flow and embrace that moment and know that your whole time does not have to be talking. You can have a silent moment to allow somebody to reflect in their mind. Um, make connections. 
how can you figure out the content that you're doing, connecting with people in the audience, whether it's to their real life emotions or whether it's to a real life skill. I I've talked about my son before that hates math, but if you connect it to like interest or stocks or banking or taxes, where he feels it's something that he can connect with in his future life, he's all in. You know, he's got an app on his phone of money he's put into stocks. But if, you, if you're not trying to find ways to connect people with that real life, um, not that you're not going to have their attention, but you're going to have additional attention and additional buy-in if you find ways to connect things to people's lives and make those connections for them. Um, active listening. No, you don't always have to be the talker. Have, you know, have other people provide input, have other people raise their hand, have other people tell a story and make a connection. Those are great ways to get kind of that audience. I know we had a keynote um, and we had Hamish that was our keynote and he was able to really connect with the audience, bring something, bring some music. I like was literally up dancing in the front and I made that connection through music and he allowed some of that silence and he would point at the audience and he, and people would yell out answers. Um, it was all of these little quick tips were throughout using humor, making people laugh. People love to laugh. Um, you know, you have those endorphins going laughter creates happiness and in, also in, you know, encompasses some of that engagement. If people are laughing, they're much more engaged than if they're, they're not laughing, if they're bored. And providing visuals, you know, just standing up and, and speaking is difficult. Provide students, adults, whoever it is that you're providing PD or giving a lesson to provide them the visuals so that they can see it. Having that auditory and the visual piece is super important to be able to make those connections to whatever it is that you're um, teaching to whatever your audience is. Yeah, so lots of things to kind of remember there. And so let's just do a quick recap or summary. Um, so those four core areas, you want to ask questions, you want to use paraphrasing, summarize and encourage you also want to make sure that you make people feel like they belong. And so how do you build that environment? You can do that by making sure you learn everybody's name. You use that active listening type of skills where you might say, oh, I really love that idea that you shared. Can you elaborate more? People love to talk about themselves. And this was a tip that my husband gave me because I hate um, small talk, like hate it. Like it makes me feel uncomfortable or it did make me feel uncomfortable. And he was like, Stephanie, you just have to ask people questions about them. That's all that small talk is. Um, and so when you are before um, the presentation, go around, ask them what they do. Ask them um, how many kids they have, what their favorite hobby is, different things. And once people start talking about them, you will find a connection that you can kind of link onto to just continue to grow. 
um, use that humor. Um, one of the presentations I've been to, somebody made connections with me. Before the session, they asked me what they did. I told them I was an educator. And then the rest of the session, she was able to make those connections of how this topic was related to education. And so when you're able to kind of get to know people before with that small talk, you're able to make those connections with them and create more of that personalized kind of experience for them. Also remember your visuals and provide that follow-up. What is that follow-up going to look like? So again, those are a lot of different ways that you are able to have an effective presentation um, within your classroom or within a PD. So don't just make it sit and get, think about how can I innovate? How can I get people up and moving? How can I get people talking and really create a safe space for those learners? Um, so your goal this week, your action item, is to take one of these different ideas and incorporate it into your presentation or in your lesson. So maybe this week for me, it's going to be, I'm going to use asking questions. I am going to bring back or I'm going to incorporate different ways that I can engage with my learners or my students by asking them questions. How can I get them curious about what they're about to learn and excited about what they're learning? So I cannot wait to hear what your action item is and what area you're going to improve on this week. So make sure you like, subscribe, and um, share our podcast with others, educators or other listeners, because we would love to get to know other people. And until next time, make sure you control the chaos. Thanks for listening to Control the Chaos EDU. Check out the description for show notes. We look forward to connecting with you on social media. Subscribe to the weekly podcast so you never miss an episode. Control the chaos until next time.